Hi there. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards with pureandsimplebible.com. So thankful that you're with me again. And man, I'm grateful to get to continue this Bible conversation. We left it on a cliffhanger last week. Timothy Ballard was in. We were talking from the book of Matthew when Jesus was interacting with the Canaanite woman. We read from the scripture where Jesus basically called this woman a dog. And what we want to know is why and what was he intending from this terrible parable. So what we're going to do is jump back into the conversation, discuss this woman's role of great faith in Jesus' ministry, as well as a larger picture of looking at Jesus interact with people who the Jewish people at that time normally did not interact with. Let's jump back in, shall we? Now, man, this is just such a beautiful picture. And if this was the end of the story that she's, and then Jesus granted her request, you know, <laughs> we would miss out on what is called the world's most terrible parable. No, that, I didn't say it right. The most terrible parable in Scripture. That's what you write down in your notes. So it's maybe, not great. <laughs> maybe you could tell us the most terrible parable and then explain what's going on. <laughs> Jesus says, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Ouch. Unless you really kind of understand what's going on, that, that is a very confusing uh, teaching that Jesus gives. And so if you follow what Jesus is saying, who's he calling a dog? He's calling the Canaanites dogs. Right. And so, you know, I, I love... My dog, he lives with another family, but I loved him, <laughs> still love him. I miss him. He was a, you know, an important part of the family. People allow dogs in their home. They love them. They were sad when they go, all those kind of things. Right. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about wild animals mm-hmm. who can fend for themselves, and we're saying, no, we're going to take the crumbs, that are, we're going to take the bread that's for the kids and give it to the dogs. But this is different. This bread is not... Uh, for the dogs it's for the children and here you know you could if you try to place yourself in this room or house that mark describes i kind of see the disciples all sitting there because they, they, they're on jesus side they don't believe that this woman should be barging in here yeah. making this request and i can see them all kind of you know elbowing each other yeah. man that was a great parable Not, the Lord just did. <laughs> nodding their heads in agreement <laughs> oh amen <laughs> now why did jesus say it to her because He's not wanting her to hear maybe what we've just heard. Right. So why? Jesus saw something in her that nobody else saw. And he knew that it was within her, and he wanted to draw it out so that the people around could see her and her faith. And sometimes Jesus might see something in you we don't know is there, but he's mm-hmm. going to draw it out of us. And maybe it's only his silence or his waiting that draws it out of us. And we can't know if this woman knew this was in her. You know, the, the moment of her falling before the Lord, she might not have known that, th- that she had this muster within her. And so I think that there is a definitely a longing within us um, to know that we're doing what's right. And maybe 
to know that the struggle that we're currently going through is something that the Lord is going to lead us out of on the other side. Right. But sometimes it might feel like there's no wind in sight. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the answer to prayer wasn't what you wanted. And it could be that Jesus and the Lord are trying to draw something out of you. Her response to Jesus is is amazing. And maybe you could read that to us and then, you know, help unlock the lesson that, that's meant to be given. Right. So when she gets this terrible parable, she says, yes, Lord. So three times. Right. She calls him Lord. Yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So I can kind of hear the, the pin drop on the dirt floor. Um Never has a greater comeback been given. And, <laughs> and more than that, it was a comeback from the enemy. Yeah. So I can see the stunned disciples trying to, you know, reeling from uh, this interaction. I love how she acknowledges in the parable, if you're going to call me a dog, then I'll respond as a dog. There's something about that that's, I mean, again, it's humbling. That If she acknowledges who Jesus is, if she knows that he's the Lord, the, the son of David, and her identity is found in him, if he, that's what he's going to call her, that's what she's going to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's going to have a response for her in just a moment. I know we're going to talk about that. but um, Yeah, that, that's a great point. She, her answer m- met what Jesus said. And more than that, it was it was absolutely valid. And I think that's what might have shocked, um, you know, the men standing in that room. And it, it, it compels me to think about what are my interactions with the father like? Right. How am I am I really trying to understand and, you know, grapple with difficult truths and apply them? Um how do I struggle for what's right? And so what she's doing here is she's saying, I realize that we're not at the table yet, but give us some scraps while you're dealing with the people who are at the table. And when you say that, what you're suggesting is that she's, in a way, kind of looking into the future and trying to bring it into the present. What, what, is she, what kind of faith is this talking about here? What has she seen? Well, I think in, in a way she might not necessarily know how, but at some point she realizes that the Canaanites are going to be God's people too. Yeah. And so she's breaking into the present kingdom what's going to be a reality very soon. And that's what God's children are doing today. That's what we should do, yeah. We have the opportunity to share with people today what it's going to be like in heaven. And we don't know, but we can take a little piece of of the wonder and the glory and the hope and the 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 rejoicing in heaven and we can take a little piece of that and we can break it mm-hmm. into the future with people. Mm-hmm. And we do that uh week by week and we do that when we're family worshiping. If you listen to those podcasts for the past several weeks, we do that when we're going out and we're all alone and we're at our job and we're not around brothers and sisters, we can break a little piece of God's love with people in the present. I'll tell you this. Uh, I think it's something that, you know, many may not get the opportunity to do so. 
But I just want people to think for a moment about when you get to heaven and you get to sing with your Christian family from all over the world, from all over time, that you know, you're going to be meeting folks that you hadn't even considered because it's so easy to define yourself by what you're not. And being fortunate enough to travel around the world and I have worshipped with people who look a whole lot different, they sound a whole lot different, they smell a whole lot different than I do. But some of the people that I can't wait, and I've told them this, mm. I can't wait to sing with you in heaven when we can sing in the same language. Yeah. And it's very special. So bringing the future into the present, um, I get to eat with them or I get to pray with them and have a translator pray it uh, along with it so we're both in the understanding. But it's the future put into the present. It's still special even mm. though it's it's crumbs compared to what it's going to be. Now, um, Jesus responds uh, finally in a way that's positive for her. <laughs> so talk about his response and some of the maybe behind-the-scenes things that make it even that much better, uh, richer, if right. you will. Matthew records the word O. Oh. So instead of just saying woman, he says, oh, woman. Mm-hmm. You have great faith. Yeah. Or you have great trust. And so she is showing trust in who Jesus is. And he can break down whatever boundaries or rules that have been set up by their culture. Jesus says, your request is granted. Mm -hmm. Mark adds, when she returned home, her daughter was well. Matthew simply says, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. And so it's one of those pretty cool long-distance miracles where Jesus didn't need to have the daughter present. He just takes care of it. I have to believe that she trusted him, and so her journey home was, Hmm. she's probably looking at flowers, looking at the cloud, just experiencing God's goodness in ways that when she was going to him, she was on a mission and could see nothing else except for where Jesus was. Yeah, that must have been amazing for her to get to come home and see that. And this inter- this miracle would not have been accomplished unless this woman, who was willing to break boundaries, persisted in chasing Jesus down. And so, you know, again, this that's a great little bow. <laughs> the the woman's right. the woman's mission was accomplished, and what she left her home that morning. I mean, when she heard throughout town that Jesus was in town, I imagine that she beelined out the door right. and made her way to him. Right, but the story is bigger than just this woman. Right. And so that's something I appreciate in your sermon is that you kind of expand it beyond her. So maybe we could do that now as uh, talk a little bit about maybe some of the bigger picture that's going on around it. Sure. We mentioned a little bit earlier how we said this was a story that was really about the disciples and a lesson that they had to learn. Matthew has placed this story where Jesus absolutely intended it to be. We talked about how Jesus was kind of wanting to get away from the interaction. That was important, but him teaching a lesson to his disciples was also important. Do you know what happened in Matthew chapter 14 just a few days before? Jesus was on the good side, up on the north, maybe northwest side. And he's on the good side of the lake. When you say good side, what do you mean? Well, uh, we're not down in the Decapolis on the southeast side. So we're up there with Bethsaida, Capernaum, 
Jewish cities where people were. When I say good, it's under quotations because these sure. the disciples thought it was the good side. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this let's... is where we're comfortable. This is where we fish. These are our people. Uh huh. That kind of deal. Okay. And then th- those Southerners or those South- Southeasterners, those are the bad folks. Yeah. 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 So in Matthew 14, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh huh. And this would have been on the minds. I mean, they would have been talking about, do you remember a few days ago? Yeah, of course I remember a few days ago we fed those 5,000 people on the right. side of the hill. Right. So in verse 20, it says they were all, uh, they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments. And those fragments were what? They were leftovers. Mm-hmm. What does she want? She just wants the crumbs. Ah. Just the leftovers. Uh-huh. Who was Jesus feeding on that side of the lake? It was the Jews, and there was enough food for them, and there were these 12 baskets that were taken up, and there was uh, leftovers for other folks. And then there, there's this, there is this opposition by the Pharisees, and Jesus goes over, and what does he argue on the other side, up there in, uh, up there in the west by Tyre, uh, Tyre and Sidon? Uh, she says, And then there's this opposition by the Pharisees, and Jesus goes over, and what does she argue on the other side? She just says, I want the crumbs. So then we're going to follow Matthew 15, uh, and then follow Matthew 15. Right. What's, what's the next story that happens in verse 29? It says there, we'll just read the first three verses. Okay. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Now, nobody can see the notes but you and me, but I, when I'm looking at the notes, I see that, and they praised the God of Israel. It's bolded and underlined, right? So when you present that, you're going to emphasize it. For our listeners, why did you do that? Why did you emphasize and bold the phrase, and they praise the God of Israel? Because this is happening on what we said was not the good side. Oh, uh, okay. This is happening over in the Decapolis region. Um, if you read in Mark where they were in chapter 14 and where they went afterward, this event takes place down there. And so this is uh, the rough side of town. Do you remember what they were doing there in Mark chapter 5? There were some demon-possessed men. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Jesus cast them out, and the demons plead, uh, please send us into those pigs. Right. Well, there should be a big kind of question mark there when we're reading that passage. Why were they farming pigs <laughs> Right. on the east side of the lake? Uh-huh. Well, in their mind. In That's the, the bad side. In the bad side. In the Jews' mind, that was, again, the bad side. They were even considered like half-Jews. They're not good. You know, there was a long beef going back for a long time. Not a long pork, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, so going over to that side of the lake was Gentile territory in their eyes. And so the emphasis of verse 31 is that Matthew wanted his readers to know that although they were on the east side, they weren't praising the pagan gods. Right. They were praising the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. Because in seeing these things, they recognized who Jesus is. 
And so Jesus is performing miracle after miracle. These people are coming up the mountain, and these are uh, these are people that have been following him, uh, bringing their sick, their lame, their crippled, their blind, one after another. And Jesus brings his disciples close to him, and he says in verse thirty-two, "I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days. Three days. You kind of get the idea." That these people followed him from the Canaanite territory, uh-huh. so uh-huh. there was there was they recognized who Jesus is, and they had followed him down here. Now, who does he say that to? Whenever he says, "I have compassion on these people," they've been with me for three days. He's speaking to his disciples, the same guys who witnessed the five thousand. Right, they witnessed five thousand. They also witnessed him interact with the Syrophoenician woman, going along with the some of the themes you've brought out earlier on, this is about them needing to see the miracle as much as it is about the person who needs the miracle to happen in their life. So now the disciples need to see Jesus have compassion on 4,000 on the wrong side of town. Right. He says, I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And so, oh, wise disciples who are have been following Jesus around, what would you <laughs> suggest? If we have 4,000 people, 4,000 men plus women and children on the east side of the lake, and a week-ish ago, we we fed 5,000 people, what would you suggest that we do for these people over here? The disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? I'm shaking my head for people who can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> what they're really saying is, we don't need to eat with these people. Yeah, we don't want to. Defining themselves by who they're not. I imagine after a long sigh, looking up at the clouds, Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? Mm. Oh, oh, uh, you mean you want to do that over here too? <laughs> you think you got enough juice in you to do that again? <laughs> how many loaves do you have? Yeah. They said seven and a few small fish. And so he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they in turn to the people. Now I had, I'm going to interject something here. that You and I talked about after you preached this. It was my theory. It was a numerical theory. And I want to bring it up here. And Maybe if anybody's got feedback, then I'd love to hear about it. But uh, yeah, send me an email or something. 12 fragments on the northwest side. There's 12 tribes of Israel. There's seven baskets. Or he took the seven loaves of fish. But there were seven baskets. There are seven baskets leftovers too? Yeah. And there were seven Canaanite nations in the Old Testament that when they came into the land, they were supposed to utterly wipe them out. Hmm. And so these people who are remnants of the left, they are the remnants of the of the sworn enemies of the Israelites are now breaking bread with the Messiah. Blow my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so if we kind of think back on our Canaanite woman, the thing that was so important about what she did was that she busted the future into the present. Right. 
And Jesus drew that out of her to demonstrate to the disciples, right now you're going to see things that are going to make sense in the future. And you're going to see these things in the future. Right. And you'll understand it better in the future when you look back and you see that we were eating with the Gentiles from the very beginning. Yeah. Because Peter was going to be sitting down at a table eating with Gentiles and drinking out of the same cup. And that's nothing he would have ever done if he defined himself the way the Pharisees defined themselves. Right. And Jesus was teaching these men that right here, right now, we're going to heal these people and we're going to sit down and we're going to eat with them. We're going to have fellowship together. I get to make the rules for who's in. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus gets to do. Mm-hmm. And in verse 37, it says, They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And so, you know, the kind of, we do potluck often, don't we? Have <laughs> we ever finished the potluck and every bowl is empty? No. There's always leftovers. <laughs> right. Jesus always has room for more. And so this wonderful story that got drawn out of a woman with this great faith, Jesus used it to teach his disciples this valuable lesson about being open with others and not being prejudiced about who gets to be in the kingdom and who is you know, valuable enough or has... Uh, who's special enough to get to hear the message. And so the the compelling part of this that I think about for myself is, I mean, none of us, I say none of us, I can't read this story and say, oh, I've never done that. Right. Um, You know, when you're honest with yourself, and, and we almost, we're at a point where sometimes we can do it casually, or we're not even registering that we've done something that was um, prejudice. And so... We have justification. We have just cause, or whatever. We we tend to we tend to paint ourselves into a pretty good light, even whenever we are like the disciples. Yeah, it's it's a it's a powerful story, and um, again, like I said at the beginning, when it was shared with me, it had a great impact on me because I had never gotten past the nice little bow after the mama went home, you know. Right. And um, I think that there's a there was a powerful lesson there of Jesus using situations like this to draw important lessons out um, for us. Well, your final uh, thoughts. I'd love to, if you had just a, you wanted to sum up some applications for sure. us today, what, what could we take away? A couple lessons. Ask yourself, are you waiting for Jesus to come to you or are you chasing him down? You're the only one who can answer that question. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not really critical or really necessary or even good, beneficial, to answer that question by looking at others. Right. Okay, am I... I think I'm putting in the same effort as Jonathan. Right. That that doesn't do me any good. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll be judged one day based upon, uh, you know, my heart. Mm-hmm. So that that's one really important lesson that only you can answer. Are you chasing Jesus down or are you waiting for him to come to you? The other one would be 
once Jesus has arrived in your life, are you taking his message to the east siders or, you know, the bad side? Or are you defining yourself by who you're not? Mm. You know, at the beginning, we talked about rivalries and uh, how those, you know, are fickle. And I think they're really just a, a reason to sell more tickets to games <laughs> more than anything. I don't really think that those players, like, right. don't like each other. I don't like that color. Yeah. Um, but, you know, does that sometimes seep into us, though? Right. I mean, do I really not like Aggies or oh <laughs> no? I mean, but but I've seen some pretty amped up guys yelling at a game, and you wouldn't that that amperage that gets built up. Sure, I think sometimes it does seep in. So mm-hmm. if we just define ourselves by who we're not, or or we're always focused on disparaging somebody else, what we're really trying to do is build up for some inadequacy in our own life. Like when you boo the other team. Are you really booing the – is that because your team's losing or, you know, something that you're unsatisfied with? And what it really reflects is that you're not confident in who you are. And so the only way to reach across to other people who are different than you and to break down boundaries is to make sure that you define yourself by the one who died for you. Mm-hmm. And let that be the only thing that brings you confidence. And so – you know, when we talk about being different and having a different lifestyle, you're going to stand out. Right. That will make you different. That will draw attention to you. And yes, this will make us different than other people. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to do some things. There is a thou shalt not to the Sinai process. Yeah. But we're not going to look to always disparage yeah. and reject, but in knowing who we are, we can reach out to those who need it the most. Mm. Amen. Well, brother, thank you for coming in. Thank you for that study, and uh, both in preaching it and then talking about it. So I'm grateful for this chance, and I hope others benefit from it. So thank you. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Well, a special word of thanks is in order for Timothy. Timothy's really pulled one for the team, and uh, or took one for the team, however that analogy works. He took it for the team. There we go. And Timothy, uh, he came in, he interviewed me, was pretty nervous about that, and then turned around and had to be interviewed about a sermon he gave a few months ago. I was very thankful for his willingness to come in. Thank you, Timothy. Both conversations were helpful for me, and I hope they were helpful for you too. So, again, thanks, Timothy, for coming in. You can go to the website at pureandsimplebible.com, and I have lately put up there a list of Uh, several different Bible studies that were recorded live over the past month and a half. There's nine different series that are completed right now. My ministry's changed a little bit, and doing live Bible studies seems to be helpful in what people want, and so we're going to find more of those available. Right now, you can go just to the homepage, and there's a Corona Crisis link, and during the Corona Crisis is when I made these, and so they're available for you to watch and to use uh, absolutely free. Now, like I've been doing at the end of each series in the hundreds episodes, is I'm thanking somebody uh, for their continued steady support. And this series, uh, I'd like to thank Candace Bohens. Ian and Candace are some good friends of ours out in Oregon, and Candace has been really faithful to 
watch the live studies that I have uh, been filming over the past month and a half and then offer some good feedback. And she's been very helpful in uh, kind of helping me to keep going through the tough times. So thank you, Candace. Thank you, Ian. And for the family that you guys are, for uh, Wyatt, the, my favorite little guy who likes to watch me preach, I'm very thankful for y'all and for the, the good example that you show in your area of Jesus Christ and his church. So thank you very much. And everybody else, I want you to remember, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Please like it. Give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on SoundCloud. It really is helpful for the analytics to get as many five-star reviews as possible. So please take advantage of this time and do that. Okay, until next week, always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Ba do 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 do